We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 502, brought to you by Indeed.com and BetOnline.ag. And Scott, uh, let's start with the fact that DJ LeMay is not signed. signed. And I'm getting super worried. Uh, Brian Cashman was talking about it. Aaron Boone's talked about it. Oh, we want DJ LeMayhew to be a Yankee. This is our number one priority. He needs to be back with the Yankees. What did your mother always say to you? 
Scott, actions speak louder than words. Hey, Yankees. Hey, Brian Cashman. Actions speak louder than words. Put the contract in front of him. Get him to sign on the dotted line. Until then, I don't want to hear your bullshit. He's not signed, and I'm getting worried he's going to go to the Blue Jays or something. Well, that's the problem is that the contract that they're putting in front of him is not one that's going to get signed. And they're off by what? The reports are $25 million bucks. $25 million. $25 million. How much money did we waste on Jacoby Ellsbury? How much money did we pay A-Rod at the end of his contract? How much money did we spend on Kayagawa? I mean, look, at the end of the day, this guy is the most beautiful, picture-perfect baseball player that you could imagine in today's game uh, for especially inserted into the lineup that we currently have. You signed this Crucially important to this team. Insanely important. And I don't want to hear, I know we'll talk about the fact, the comments that have come up about Glaber being a better second baseman. Nah, it doesn't, it should not come into play at all where Glaber's best position has nothing to do with DJ LeMahieu. You Uh, have a mailbag question that it could come into play with some other things around shortstop. Okay, but then you have to actually have those things happen. And guess what? Yeah, much further away, much further away. This, this is something that is right in front of you. You, it's a known quantity. You know what this guy is. He's nails in the playoffs. He's good all throughout the regular season. He plays, he comes back from injuries crazy fast and on a timetable that he sets. The guy is exactly what this team absolutely needs. So if they let him walk away over a, an extra year and 20 to $25 million, it's going to drive me insane. So you know the Yankees do this thing. Cashman does this thing with free agents that he wants. Is He says, go out, shop yourself, come back to us, tell us what the price is, and we will beat it. Or or not beat it, basically. You're, some play, guys, you're playing with fire. Some guys, no, I know. And it, it bit him in the ass with um, Dallas Keuchel. Right. Remember Keuchel, Cashman, essentially we learned Cashman told Keuchel's agent, come back to us with whatever the deal is. We'll see if we want to beat it. And he never did. He just signed in Atlanta. That's a smaller scale. Maybe not a huge deal. Keuchel probably wasn't going to make a difference. I also think it was a different scenario. Very different scenario because, but, but if Keuchel very well may not have signed, even if they did beat it. So there were, there were, right. there were talks that Keuchel didn't even want to come here anyway. So Difference if Cash, if Cashman and his people truly believe DJ LeMay, he was not going to get $100 million in the free agent market. They say to him, we think you're worth four years and 75 million, which is how much is that? That is 18.75 million uh, AAV. And he's asking for five at a hundred, 20 million AAV. AAV is basically the same. Yeah. It's just the the extra year. Right. But if, if they don't think he's going to get five years on the open market because of his age, they are telling him, go do it. Go get it. And if you get it, we will give it to you. But if you're not going to get it, we're not going to give it to you. That's, Maybe see, that's that, but that's a, that's a complete, if that is an actual strategy and if that's actually a conversation, it's such a bullshit conversation and such a dumb strategy. Because now you're like, you know what? We love you for four years. Don't think you don't think I want you for the fifth year. Go see if someone else wants you for five years, and then you can come back and we'll tell you if we want you for that fifth year or not. It's just would you rather? But would you rather sign LeMahieu for emotions. four or five? Huh? Would you rather sign LeMahieu for four or five? If you put yourself in Brian Cashman's shoes, would you I would rather, rather sign, sign DJ LeMahieu than not sign DJ LeMahieu. That's okay, that's yes, where I am. But so if is, I'm if overpaying you, for a year based on what possibly is is on the market, I'm doing it. Because I'm I like, what I am doing is I'm securing the asset. Okay, <laughs> I agree with that. Because the However, I'd rather securing, sign him for four. 
but but that's a moot point to me because securing the asset it's it's between securing the asset or not securing the asset. We're talking about a machine here, not a person. It's an asset. It's 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 a guy that comes in and just does the job. You're either securing it or you're not securing it. And to me, what is that? Two one point five million dollars AAV, twenty million dollars ish, twenty five million dollars over five years, whatever that whatever it is. That doesn't work out. The math the math does not work out, by the way. Uh, but it, whatever the math is, it doesn't matter. You just do it. You do it. You do it. But but COVID season, financially strapped, times are hard. We might have fans in the stands of spring training. We might ha- not have fans in the stands for opening day or maybe even the first couple months of the season. It might be reduced capacity. Can't play for that, the st- though. The Steinbrenners are, are struggling a little bit. <sighs> It's it the the fact that we're having this conversation over one year at twenty million dollars for the MVP of the team is lunacy. It really mm-hmm. is. It really is. Because also the other thing about him is that he's the type of guy over most that will probably translate for five years. He's not going to be probably you know the same guy that he is, but his game will will age and probably age a lot better. Than the majority of guys out there who are, you know, either swing or miss or home run. He's an interesting player from this from a statistical standpoint because he's been much better with the Yankees than he was in Colorado. Not that he was bad in Colorado, but he was he was much closer to average in Colorado. And he's been he won a batting three. title in Colorado. Yes, I know, but he also had two below league average OPS seasons in Colorado. So so he so when you average out his five years in Colorado, I think it was five years. It was slightly above above average. But with the Yankees, he's been an MVP candidate two straight years. I believe he's going to continue that elite play for the next couple of seasons. I think baseball has changed so much in the last couple of years. And and LeMahieu's style of play, like we talked about, is so valuable in today's game that the, the things that he does are so rare. The things that he does, not everyone can do. Remember the fact... No team has shifted on LeMahieu since 2016. That's like unheard of. Right. That's unheard of in today's game. So he's hitting ground balls to the second base hole, base hits. Or he's hitting ground balls up the middle, base hits. Those aren't base hits for other people because no. you've got to, yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to shortstop planted his ass right directly up the middle. So you hit a missile up the middle every Every season in baseball up until the last couple of years, that's a base hit. No longer a base hit. It's just a ground ball out. The other thing about DJ LeMahieu that that doesn't get said all the time is that this guy has the ability to play multiple positions in the field. You as as he's getting older, if needed, you could slide him over to third base. You could slide him over to first base. You could so he's got three of the four positions on the infield that he's got the ability to play at a high level. It's not like he's a slouch at, at, at any of the positions. So. Not only do you have a guy that if he's losing range, which if I'm looking at the way he's going to age, I could certainly see him uh, losing range at second base. That That is probably something that will happen given his his body type. Uh, you know, he's not the best athlete in the world. He's got, he he does amazing for what he's got. And he's a, 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 you know, a bigger guy. I could see him playing third base. I could see him going over to first base and he does both of them well. So not only are you, you're getting the guy who, is an absolute constant in your lineup for four to five years. But you're also getting a guy defensively who has the flexibility to move around and give your team whatever it needs in that particular. It's not going to stop another player from coming in, really, is the point. So 
it's 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 a no-brainer. It's always been a no-brainer. And I, I just want them to get the deal done because everything you hear is you have two parties that want to get a deal done. So get the goddamn deal done. Yeah. And so we're specifically talking about the interview that Brian Cashman did with Meredith on Yes last week. And after the question about LeMahieu, that was the number one question because obviously the topic of of salary and money came up. Meredith asked him how handcuffed financially are the Yankees after the COVID season. And Cashman dodged the question and basically said, we will be the number one payroll regardless of what happens. That doesn't answer the question. And I don't like that answer because that's basically him saying, you, you oh, and we your were Cashman still answers. You and your judges. That doesn't, that doesn't bother you because what he's basically saying is, oh, we're going to be the highest spending team no matter what, whether we sign the Mayhew or not. So see, we spend money. That doesn't answer the question. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> he's trying to deflect the question. He's like, yeah, we're going to spend it. I'm just not going to tell you where I'm spending it. So it may be in the places that you absolutely want me to spend it, but I'm just not going to tell you that. Nor am I going to lead on to it. Or it might be on some new nerds. It's, it's, it's my... So those nerds need some promotions after that genius decision to have Debbie Garcia open in game two of the ALDS. Whoever came up with that crack idea needs to get promoted. Senior nerd. Senior nerd. Look... I, I don't like the um, the indecision here with LeMahieu. I, I want them to be decisive and just make this move. And I understand that it, that's not good business when you're looking at a market, a free market for a player to go there. Because these contracts that are coming back that we're seeing are low. They're low. There's no doubt. Oh, my God. Like that David Dahl contract? It's crazy low. Three million and change for does, one does year. He's Brett a 26-year-old outfielder who, who's like a good player. Where Three does that put bucks. Brett Gardner? free. He needs to pay the Yankees to play because they've already paid him his buyout of $2 million. So Brett Gardner needs to show up and lace up for free next season. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the value of that contract, yeah, pretty much. That's that's kind of where it's going. Give him a $50 stipend so he can go to Chipotle. <laughs> so if they're if they're looking at the the free market and what's happening out there and 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 playing Russian roulette because that's kind of what they're doing right now. All it takes is one team to come in with a contract uh, that's that's a little bit bigger that makes DJ feel good because I could see DJ's feelings being hurt. I could see that. I could see well, him could being the type of guy. Could you see the Blue Jays doing that though? Because the Blue Jays yes. made the playoffs last year. They're an up and coming young team. They need some veteran leadership. Lemayhu actually would probably fit in really well on that team. I know. I know he fits in very well on that team, and I don't like it at all. That's. I could see the Blue Jays absolutely giving him a magic bullet contract to come in as the the glue to that to that uh, that young team and bring it all together with a veteran experience. And yes, I think he makes a very big difference on that team. So yeah, I could see them very having him. Uh, I know he's extremely valuable on their board. Uh, they they definitely want him. They've they've made that very clear. And to me, that's courting DJ. I think if there's another team involved, they almost have to be like, hey, we we want you badly. We absolutely want you. And guess what? Players listen to that crap. They do. They want to be wanted. You don't DJ Money LeMahieu, still talks. Money still Money the, still the talks, but fact. DJ LeMahieu also feels like a guy that wants the loyalty back. If you're not giving it to him back, if you're not reciprocating the same feelings, the same type of devotion that he has, he's gone. And I don't blame him. He deletes you from his computer brain and moves on. Yes, you are no longer you are Wiped. no longer his his uh, in his life. Wiped yeah. out, reprogrammed. Yeah. So, I think that the Yankees are playing with fire right now, and they need to stop well, it. You kind of alluded to the Gliber, the Gliber. Oh my God, the Gliber Torres comments that Cashman made 
And he he said, I think he's a better second baseman than shortstop, talking about Glaber long term. And he also said he didn't believe Glaber came into into the summer camp in shape and that negatively affected his season. A little shot, um, a little shot at Glaber there. I think it's a little shot being like, hey man, we know you're you're the young kid and you got the shortstop job. We chose to move on from Didi to give you the shortstop job. That doesn't mean you can come in a little doughy to summer camp. You gotta come in ready to go. Let me tell you what, DJ or DJ, Didi Gregorius, after looking at some of these contracts. I feel bad for DD man. He he oh, went, yeah. tested the market, didn't get what he wanted, signed the one year deal as a, as a show as a uh, as a prove me contract essentially as a as a gap year really, <laughs> and then COVID happens and now everybody's getting you know one fifth of their contract value. So he's at the number that he might sign for. He's becoming more appealing. He also might have to play for free. Him and <laughs> him and Brett Gardner might need to play for free. But the, I mean. So that's the other side of things that there are going to be some bargains out there. I just as a as a new as a as a New York Yankees fan understanding what this talent level is and how young it is and how you know we're controlled with arbitration right now. We're in a really good spot still. They need to stop dicking around. That's it. They need to stop dicking around. Yeah, and and just because Glaber might be a better second baseman long term He's still only 24 years old, so you can sign LeMahieu for five years and still move Glaber to second base full-time in th- in four years. And then that means the fifth year on DJ's contract is sort of playing multiple positions, maybe more first base, like you said, maybe even some DH because he, maybe he'll still hit. So I still think you can have Glaber as a long-term second baseman if you sign LeMahieu. Well, and also, the 20, 24 is young. You get to 26, 27, 28. Those are peak physical years for for you know a professional athlete. So there's there's absolutely nothing saying that Glaber can't improve his defense either. He's 24 years old, like you said. That's that's a guy that can come in who has natural shortstop abilities, as they say, has played shortstop his entire career, went and played second baseman or second base for um, you know, for the Yankees. Now he's going back over. There's, there's an. I, I do think that Glaber has the ability to improve, because I think a lot of the mistakes are fundamental mistakes. It's not like he's, uh, he doesn't have bad instincts. I think he's got good instincts. I think it's just, you know, rounding up some of the, you know, some of the the areas that that just are are, are need tidying up. He needs cleaning. He needs some of- maturing. What kind of shape do you think Cashman was talking about? Like conditioning shape? Was it? Was it like he was overweight? Like, what what do you think it was that he was talking about with Glaber? I just think that there was probably a very strange preparation leading up to this season, and he could probably say the exact same thing for almost every player on the roster. And when asked, you answer. And yeah, he probably came in, you know, not as in physical shape. Like the the workouts for these guys to time their workouts, which I think they were trying. Some of these guys were trying to like time their workouts to get to the beginning of a season or whatever. They just don't have the same repetition or same schedule that they would normally. So everything's thrown off. So you don't even, you kind of don't know what to expect when you get to that point because your preparation has been different, right? It's been a different setup. So I I, I don't yeah, really reps, take a lot. Your reps really are also different, it, honestly. Right. Like you're used to having reps every day from March through June. And then they basically sat on their ass for most of that time. Yeah. But some I mean, guys, even if you guys, back up, even if you back the calendar up and just, you know, pop spring training on top of the summer camp, 
it's still not the same preparation because you didn't know when things were going to start up again. You couldn't go to yeah. the same places. Probably you just couldn't do a lot of the same things. So uh, like I, like I have done for a lot of 2020 and a lot of different players in whatever situation that I find it convenient to erase 2020, I will, I will conveniently erase his, uh, his conditioning walking into camp this this uh, this past year because it was weird. So well, well that brings that, us that to that Gary also Sanchez. Was from my memory, that brings us to Gary Sanchez. You're racing Gary Sanchez 2020. It kind of seems like the Yankees are are trying to do that. Cashman said his expectations for Gary have not changed. He expects him to bounce back next year, and he said this, which kind of pissed me off. He would have been on pace for a 30 home run season if it were a normal year. Really, really, Cashman, at what cost are you going to have Gary Sanchez hit 30 home runs? Are you going to keep him hitting 118, 133 in the lineup just because he's going to hit 30 home runs on grooved fastballs over the course of 162, 162 games? I mean, the swing and miss issue is is alarming with Gary Sanchez last year, and he's talking about on pace for 30 home runs. I don't give a shit about those 30 home runs if you're hitting 120. Yeah, the 30 home runs, too. For for uh, major league pitchers across the across baseball right now, you see Gary Sanchez up there with runners on. Probably not going to get that grooved fastball that he's hitting, you know, to the moon. He's going to get different pitches, and that's where he was struggling. He was he was barreling up you know, what one out of five fastballs down the middle that are ninety five miles per hour. Congratulations, you're a professional baseball player. <laughs> Stephen Drew could do that. Okay, and there, it's like it's like when Shaq hits one out of five free throws. It's like yeah, well. You should. Yeah. So there's um there's the Gary Sanchez. Look, after talking with Tanner last week, I I, I had some some uh not not epiphanies, not revelations, but but some good insight, I think, into the minds of what's happening back there. And there's definitely frustration. There's no doubt. You could you could tell there's frustration because of probably like we are, they see the potential, they know the potential. But I mean, Tanner even mentioned it. The struggles of Gary Sanchez behind the uh at the plate. Uh, offensively bled into his defensive problems. Definitely. That, he said that, that there is a mental thing happening here with Gary Sanchez taking the, uh, taking one side of the, the game, the offense at the plate into the defense, whether he's sulking or thinking about it or just, I don't know what it is, but there's something there mentally. And, and that's the, pro- that's to me, the biggest problem, this whole thing, this guy needs to get, this mindset in check and be able to compartmentalize the the different opportunities and whether he wins that opportunity or loses that opportunity within a game and and get rid of it you win it great move on forget about it but he doesn't do that and that's a problem so the other thing with Tanner was talking about defensively if that if that continues if the mental uh <laughs> the mental fortitude if that continues to to be lacking the good news from what Tanner was saying was that as the season progressed, they saw improvements on on the comfortability, you know, how, how comfortable he was. Yeah, I listened to that too. And I was like, uh, didn't he get benched for Higgy <laughs> at the end of the year? Like, what the heck are you talking about? Well, I think you it's should have more, pushed back on him a little bit there. I think it's more I think it's more because what he was talking about was the uh being comfortable in the in the um, the new stance in the, the new, new positioning stance. and things like that, not okay. necessarily as a player in, in general, but defensively Fine. he started to see um, the improvements and like him getting to that point. What was alarming to me was that they were doing this on the fly, basically, and and that and that he was Gary Sanchez didn't it didn't feel like he had the uh, like he was preparing 
enough and and probably covid was uh, affecting that because they weren't able to be in person which when you're doing when you're learning a new stance that's a big deal they're on zoom calls and you know you got Tanner analyzing uh, Zoom footage or a video footage and then relaying it. <laughs> I can picture. Relaying I can it, picture on, like that. Relaying it through the translator to Gary over Zoom. That's I not ideal. Picture, I can picture the laptop camera just pointed straight at Gary's crotch. Like, am I, <laughs> Tanner, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Like, oh my God, just a clown show. But, you know, the, the other thing that was that I did not know when, when talking to him about this this one knee down method and i'm fascinated by new stuff like this one it's you're seeing the data start to uh show that it's working across the league but it certainly does depend on the player and and he was he was definitely um open to saying that i was i was very surprised right at the end of the interview i was very surprised when he said that to me when he was talking about uh higgy and i know we were talking about higgy one knee down or not he's definitely not one knee down he's in a deep crouch but that's where he got to that deep. one spot that one comfortable spot. And that's the biggest thing on this, on the, the philosophy of this, of this method is that you're, you're staying in that one spot rather than transitioning to two different or three different places, depending on the situation, whether runners are on base, you know, the, the different situations that, that happen within an inning. And that's, that's the key. It's like getting good here so that you're comfortable always here. And you can, uh, you can not only frame pitches, cause that is certainly of importance to them, if not <clears throat> the highest importance, but you can throw people out. You can do all the things that you need to do. And that's that's the key. For a guy like Gary, though, what if it's more important for, for him to just be comfortable? The Yankees don't need to try and change his stance or trying to make him into a player that he's not. Let him be the player he came up as, which was a solid defensive catcher. Nothing crazy. Maybe he's not going to be the best framer in the world, but he has a nice arm. He's certainly going to let some pass balls go by, but he's going to be an absolute animal at the plate and he's going to be comfortable. Maybe that's more valuable to your team than turning him into this one knee down framing wizard behind the plate because it's clearly affecting other parts of his game. And now he's no longer valuable at the plate. I I, I agree. And I think that that's, and I hope that, you know, after learning about the different flexibilities of this system, that if they identify that, that they'll, that they will make those adjustments and, and make sure that he's in a place where he's feeling good back there. If it's not working for me, if they don't see the, if they're not seeing improvements beyond what they saw this year, early in spring training, even right now, like going back, going into like Dominican league, they should be looking at these things. If they're not seeing marked improvements for me on the defensive side, they need to go back to the drawing board and figure out where he is the most comfortable and yes, take advantage of that because the bat absolutely is the value here. Yeah. 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 They've tinkered with him a bunch. But doesn't this also tell you, this is, this is, this proves my theory. I feel about the working relationship with Garrett Cole and Gary Sanchez. It just wasn't there. I think a lot of these things that were affecting Gary and yes, I'm speculating, but I, you know, I've watched every game. I've listened, I've talked to coaches. I'm, I'm watching with my eyes, body language as well. I think that a lot of the things that are affecting what we just, what we learned about that were definitely affecting his game, were affecting the relationship between them on year one. On year one, you got to be on the same page well, with the guy who's meticulous with his preparation, and then you have another guy who's well, maybe mm, some days, yeah, maybe I don't know. It just doesn't work. And I bet at the end of the day. 
I think is why why Higgy got there because Higgy uh, Tanner called him a servant. A ser- he called Higgy a servant. So Higgy's <laughs> the ultimate team guy. He just does whatever what you want. If you need this as my pitcher, you got it. I'm I'm going to do it. And as a pitcher, don't you love that? This can be applied to any any job, anything in life, really. If you're not comfortable with what you're doing, you cannot be a valuable service to other people. So if Gary Sanchez is not comfortable with what he's doing behind the plate, the the, the one knee stance down, if he's concentrating on on the one knee stance down and and improving that over the course of a season, how is he going to be of added value to Garrett Cole? He's just not. He's not. It's not possible. I agree. I agree. And and that's that's exactly what I believe we saw happen in real time. Yeah, it's exactly what I think we saw. And I don't but isn't, blame. Could that be a detriment because, to the team? Like again, getting back to the the keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple with Gary Sanchez. Maybe that's what we need to do with Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I, probably because he's not he's not doing the other things. I, again, there needs to be marked improvement early. You know, we talked about this about bringing him back. Of course, they were going to bring him back. It was a deal. It was a it was an absolute bargain to bring him back at the contract that they did. So there's no doubt. When you see the possibilities of this player, of course you could bring him back on that deal. That said, it's not going to be a season-long leash again. It can't be. It no. just can't be. And especially now understanding where uh, you know Higgy is with, with, with Cole. And who knows? Maybe Higgy takes another step. If you don't think that Higgy right now understands that there's an opportunity for him that probably he didn't think was going to be there, and he's going to... He's probably working his ass off right now. Like he's doing Rocky. Like he's he's in he's in freezers, like pounding meat. <laughs> he's running up mountains in Russia. Yeah. Higgy, he's like, I, this is it. I got it. I have the trust yeah. of our ace. Who the hell knows what's who's pitching behind him? <laughs> I got the only guy that they care about. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Now's he's my just- time. He just can't be a black hole in the lineup. Just, just be slightly better than he's been, and and he can steal the job from Gary, no problem. Haven't seen many, uh, many guitar videos out of Higgy, have you? Because he put the guitar down, put the guitar down, up picked slab the bat up, yeah, <laughs> slab of meat, just sw- swinging that brisket. So, so Cashman also talked about the starting rotation, and he said some things that uh, have me a little bit scared. He says they're willing to go into next year with what they have behind Garrett Cole. And he called Domingo Herman and Luis Severino number two starters at worst. What fantasy world is he living in? This is this is GM speak. This is great. This is exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Pumping up his players that he has already under contract, controlled. Telling everybody that this is what, exactly what he needs to be a success during the season. Overstating their their abilities. Not, he's not oversitting what Severino is. Severino's the number one at best. He's not this year, though. He's not in 2021. He's not going to pitch until June when or July. When pitching? Was there a stipulation on the time? When pitching, no, he's but the number he, one, but number he's two. he's talking about for 2021. In 2021, Luis Severino is not going to be a number two pitcher because he's not going to be fully ramped back up. I am he starting won't be a number love, two pitcher until 2022. I am starting to love. I don't like his indecision, but I love the comments because they piss you off so badly now. And it's and it's yeah. making me he's lying now he's lying through his teeth. He's just he's just looking me specifically through the camera in my eyes, yeah. and he's telling me things that patently are false. I love Domingo Herman's a number four pitcher. Well, that's not true. Yes, when, it's true. when he's pitching, if he's if he's at his best, he could certainly be a number two. He should had that. two good months in the in the, the major leagues in and, and Mike Talkman had one good month, and we were comparing him to Mike Trout. No, we weren't. Not I us. wasn't. I was not saying us. he's a number four outfielder. 
I wasn't calling him a starting all-star left fielder, Mike, uh, freaking Mike Talkman. Domingo Herman hasn't <laughs> pitched in the majors since 2019. In that season, he had a 4.03 ERA and a 4.72 FIP. 4.72 FIP sucks. His stats were skewed by a really good April and May. Then he got hurt in June, and then he was garbage in the second half. He's not a number two pitcher. At He's w- a number four, number five pitcher. He's number two at worst. At worst. Look, he is he, a number two in Cashman and Domingo Herman's wildest dreams where Domingo Herman didn't get into some altercations. With no, his no, wife. he's a number two right now on their team. He's not lying, actually. He's <laughs> telling the truth. He's a number two right now at worst. <laughs> Who is their number two right now? Domingo Herman, to, probably. Will you look at, or is it Montgomery? It's, it's one of the two of them. And at least Domingo Herman had two months of, of tape that says I'm a number two. So he's actually Definitely. not lying. If you want to be uh, technical, he's not lying. He is the Tammy Garcia. <laughs> but oh, but yeah, no, look, it's not the way to work. It's not the way to go into the season. This is exactly the wrong way to go because of the controlled pieces that are in the minor leagues that are major league ready. You should, you should, this is the opportunity. I've said this a thousand times. This is the opportunity to get some pitchers under under the uh on the major league level, on the 40-man roster, on the on the active roster, because you have the ability to stash guys that have skill it's now's yeah, the time yeah. let's go we can bolster this 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 uh this rotation easily what do you think his pitching plan is though trevor bauer <laughs> i don't know angels are and the mets are the front runners for trevor bauer the mets just signed james mccann they're they're on the move stevie cohen's opening up those pockets don't you think that that cashman a little bit also loves the rumors that they're the leading ones and then he's going to swoop in and take it from the Mets. That would be a... No, I don't think Cashman thinks about that. I think maybe the star. I don't think you're think on the same that. wavelength as Brian Cashman to be speaking about what he's But it's thinking. not Brian Cashman's money. It's a, he's Brian Cashman is an employee of, of Hal Steinbrenner. Steve Cohen is the owner of the Mets. Brian Cashman doesn't own Dick. But I know that, but there's you don't think that the um there, there's a uh, there, there's going to be a who's who's nuts are bigger competition no. between the Steinbrenners and Cohen at some point. There will be. Oh, between the Steinbrenners and Cohen, right? Yeah. Which which like you just said controls what's what. Uh, but Ryan I don't Cashman think it's going to be from the Steinbrenner side because Hal doesn't have any of his father in him. And until, if anything, until until Steve gets, Cohen is more like his more like George Steinbrenner than Hal Steinbrenner is. Yeah, he's he's too fun loving and like he's different, very different personality. But maybe it takes a Steve Cohen to come in to Queens and 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 be this guy to to bring out the George in Hal. Maybe <laughs> bring out the George. Yeah, bring Can out we the George. The Larry and, David impersonation George from Seinfeld. That's the George I want. Hey, just worried about calzones and and and. Tight you know pants. what happens as you get older too? You become more cynical you become more you know oh really i hadn't noticed <laughs> i'm getting i mean cynical. you you may not feel it because that's how you came out of the womb but it's fine that's how that's normally how it goes you, you stop giving it a rat about certain things so i could see how getting a little older getting a little bit more stern becoming bothered by the antics that are happening on the in the other borough and make a move let's get some emotion going here let's Hell's get a battle so let's get a battle of owners on twitter that would be something yeah. Hal is so calculated. He's one of these guys that thinks about the words that he's going to say next so he doesn't say anything foolish. Stop trying to talk like him. The Look, he lost his brother last year too and and Hank was was definitely the most- More like, bombastic. Definitely more for bombastic. Sure. So maybe there's now 
you know, he's looking, he he's looking at the where the family is currently and understanding that he's got to represent the family a little bit differently now. He's got to, he's got to, that's Trevor Bauer. And yeah, he's got to, he's got to do things a little bit differently. He's got to have some more, you know, uh, just, just representation of the Steinbrenner family. I would love that. I would love to see how flip a switch. A couple more things I want to get to around the league before we get to some to really good mailbag questions. Though, first, uh, What'd you say? He needs to eat some more hamburgers first. Put a little <laughs> meat on those bones. Dombrowski hired as baseball ops for the Phillies. Bye-bye. So we bye, talking- bye, uh, bye-bye farm system. Yeah, well, we were saying like, oh, are they going to sell some payroll? No, no, no. Dave Dombrowski brings on payroll. That man does not sell payroll. He's there to win a championship ASAP. But he's probably saving money in the long run because they're not going to have anything left after two years. So if <laughs> I don't know, looking, ask the Red Sox. If we have a five-year plan. Sox, ask the Tigers. Ask, ask all the teams he has right. just absolutely gutted their minor league systems with. Yeah, five-year plan, payroll gets real low. And the Cleveland baseball team will no longer be called the Indians. Uh, after, I think I saw after 2021 because they're still deciding on a name. Uh, Bet online. Uh, oh, I no, I, I don't from, think it's, I think it's, uh, they're, they can't announce that and then go through a season being called. Okay, the I saw I saw some like news clip that said it was going to be for 2022. But yeah, you're probably right. They're probably just going to be the Cleveland baseball team for the next year then. Because they're, I, I, or are they going to decide on a name before 2021? Well, they probably already have if they, or at least started the process, I would assume if they announced it. So, so Bet Online sent some odds on what the, t- the team name will be. The Spiders, which was a uh, Cleveland baseball organization back in the 1800s. The Spiders, by the way. Oh, man. Have you seen some of these names on the Cleveland Spiders back in the day? No. All-time names. All-time names. I'm pulling it up right now. I want, there's so, one name on here that I don't see, which I'm surprised I don't see, because I, I felt like it would at least be talked about to get some press as a, as a troll. Yeah. I definitely was looking for midges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that actually. Um, I was ready. I'm ready. I was like, I'm reading down, like ready to get pissed off, ready to get pissed off, ready to get. Didn't happen. Wow. Soft. Well, they've got soft, the uh, soft in the Cleveland. Cle- the Cleveland wild things. So for, for Rick Vaughn. Oh, yeah. There you they, go. That one. The homeboy is uh, ready to go for that one. He's already trying out for the role. They've got they've got uh, Cleveland rocks. If you're a Drew Carey fan. You cannot name them the Blue Sox. We can't have a third Sox t- team name in baseball. It's just too much. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. They don't need another Sox team. Somehow, though, at 500 to 1 odds, the Cleveland Steamers, which <laughs> would be the best name in in sports history. So, so they're talking, some about, of these they're names, talking about shellfish. Yeah, so, shellfish in in the Midwest of the United States. So some of They're these names, water. there's water there. They've got, uh, yeah, that's one of the names too. Uh, like the the Great Lakers or something. Well, yeah, I mean there are shellfish in lakes. Just yeah, in case you didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> Sport McAllister was one of the names on the team. Dick Harley. Um, they've got Dick Harley. What as the These as are, the name. No, these were the names on the nineteen at the, oh, on the, the name of the ninety nine Cleveland the Spiders. Got you, got you, got you. Harry Lockhead. I mean, they're just like old time baseball names were the best. Ozzy Schreckengost. I'd say um, that's that's probably like uh, Crazy Schmidt. Crazy Schmidt. His first name is Crazy. Uh, his first name is Crazy. Probably sure on his birth certificate. <laughs> probably. Uh, so that, my, that's my, one thing that they that they would do back in the day. 
is that if you got a nickname, that was your name. That was your name. That I, was it. I don't, if even, you had I don't like, even care what your your name was. This is your new name. Yeah. If you had like if you had like four fingers, your new name was four fingers. Yeah. And and you sign four fingers when you go to the DMV. It's hey four fingers. That's what you. That's what you're you're doing. I think that should be a new thing. Society should now tell you what your name is. So they had a, a imagine patsy. That, imagine t- getting named on Twitter. They had a Patsy Tibo and a Pussy Tibo, so I guess they were brothers. So, but like, Ooh, also, if you were named Four Fingers, <laughs> it would it would be so easy to just steal someone's identity. You just chop a finger up, be like, "See, my name's Four Fingers. I stole his identity." It's a commitment right there. Eighteen ninety nine, you could just get away with anything, right? Yeah, you also died when you were, you know. 19 because you got syphilis or you got the flu or okay but if you didn't like uh, you had to be an absolute moron to get caught for a crime in 1899 well if you did get caught for a crime you got either hung in the town square or shot on site yeah so, or, or uh or rocks thrown at you by by, by every by time the i hear town. 18 the 18th century baseball i think of conan o'brien and that skit that he did with uh, what's the 18th century baseball where he went and played with these guys who do do the reenactments or they have a league um, 18th century baseball. I haven't seen that skit, but I know about those reenactments. I used to watch it. I probably have seen that skit 5,000 times. It's hilarious (laughs) to me. It's absolutely the the ball they would call the, an apple. Um, (laughs) And uh, Conan, Conan just was, was hysterical in it. Hey guys, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every single hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only got to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. They have game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their website is clean and easy to use. There's tons of options there for you. You can bet on sports. There's live betting, casino, live casino action, race book, poker, esports. There's contest promotions. You can, you can do a number of things on the website. I really suggest you, you check it out. Bet Online's been with us pretty much this entire year. So supporting them is a way of supporting Bronx pinstripes. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Tamayuki Sugano, the Japanese pitcher that is 
I don't know if he's been posted yet. I don't think he's been posted. Uh, but we didn't really have a scouting report on him uh, or what type of pitcher he was. So I did some more research on him. And I read a couple articles that said strong number three starter type in the majors. That was an article written in the New York Post by Joel Sherman. Jason Krosky, uh, who is of the Japan Times, he told this to Baseball America. His slider is perhaps the best in Japan, and he can control it on both sides of the plate. It's a devastating offering when he buries it inside against left-handed hitters. Sugano's velocity was slightly up in 2020, and he also induced more swinging strikes. He upped his splitter usage and also threw a cutter, curveball, and that were pseudo? What? I guess I mistyped there. His control is as strong as ever. What's a pseudo? S-shudo. S-H-U-T-T-O. Maybe that's the name of a pitch. Is that a new pitch that we don't even know anything about? I'm going to Google that right now. You talk about that scouting report. Well, I can tell you that two things. It's a pitch. Oh, my God. I cannot. It's like the gyro ball 2.0. Yeah, I was excited when I saw it. A shooto or a shoot ball is a baseball pitch. It's commonly thrown by right-handed Japanese pitchers, such as Hiroki Kuroda. What? It's oh, a this must be the This must be the gyro ball because Daisuke is also listed here. So they just they just rebranded it. That's very baseball. I mean, that's this is what we do. We, we rebrand things. We call them different. It's designed to mainly break down and in on right-handed batters. Down and in. Yeah. So it's like a gyro ball. Yeah. It's like a it's, it's, it's like it's a reverse fork ball splitter think. gyro ball. It, oh my god! It hurts my wrist just thinking about how make that's the shooto shirts right now. The so after seeing the scouting report on this guy, he threw a shootout. <laughs> I got to be honest. I'm definitely more intrigued. I like the fact this is what I was talking about. What I was talking about before is like, and 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 this is almost like a known quantity coming out of out of Japan because these guys are, you know, they throw usually throw so many different pitches. If this guy was able to control these different pitches and and you know the velocity as long as it's as long as it's playable and mid 90s, low to mid 90s even is is fine if you can locate. And you have um, a good arsenal that you can uh, that you can change up things. Seems like he's got all of the above. So I, I like the fact that he's got a bunch of different pitches. And um, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's go get. I just want more pitching. We've already lost some. So now this guy's more intriguing to me because I'm looking at what's happening on the market, and I want them to bolster the rotation right now. So go get him. I, fine. If he, if you, if the Yankees think that this guy can help, go get him. It's going to be a short-term deal, I think, especially with how contracts are going. Would you rather sign I, this guy or Tanaka? I don't think it's going to be a short-term deal in this because of the posting. I don't think you can do a short, short-term deal. It doesn't yeah, make you sense. Can. You just structure it where the team has options. I know, but it, it doesn't make sense if you're paying a posting fee as well. Yeah, it does. You, the team has options. But but now it's an open market, right? It's not you. You don't post it and then you can sign him. It's it's a different posting system where it's a lot more competition. Whoever gives them the bigger contract, whoever has the most incentivized, the most lucrative contract is usually where they're going now. It's a different system. So I don't think you can get away with that type of deal because when you're, when one, you got to pay the posting. So you're adding more dollars onto it, more than you would pay a guy in free agency. So therefore you need to get uh, a longer control. Yes. Um, And I, you know, I actually did some research on the posting system uh, like back in June or something, um, and I'm I'm forgetting. I'm pu- and now we're talking right about now. money that is potentially the discrepancy between signing or not signing DJ LeMahieu, and it's pissing me off. 
So the posting is just a percentage of the contract. Right. For major league contracts with a total guaranteed value or 25 million or less, the release fee or the posting fee will be 20% of the total guaranteed value of the contract. For major league contracts with a total guaranteed value between 25 and 50 million, it's 20% for the first 25 million plus 17.5% of the total guaranteed value exceeding 25 million. For 50 million or plus contracts, it's 20% for the first 25 uh, million, 17% for the next 25, and then 15% for the remaining value of the contract. So theoretically, so, you're getting bargains as you continue, as you extend uh, the years and, ex- and make the contract a little uh, bigger, AAV, if you t- take so, the whole contract. You are right in the sense that every all 30 teams could offer him a contract. He could accept the highest contract, and then that's the posting fee. Is it him accepting it, or is it him? Is, it's him accepting is it. Is it him accepting it, or is it, is it the, the club? accepting it or is it him accepting it with first right of refusal by the club i don't know about the i'd have to read there's gotta be there's there's gotta be something in there because you know if he took a smaller contract to go play in the place that he wanted the club could get screwed so and i have a hard time believing that that's possible knowing what the system has been in the past i mean the the system in the past was ridiculous the posting fee gave you the ability to negotiate with a a player yeah and it was so backwards like dice k almost broke it because the Red Sox posted for him, and then he they couldn't agree on a contract. Um, but it's definitely I, changed. I, it's it's become more of a open competition, a free market system. Yeah, and and certainly become, you know, better for the player. I would assume, and then also it just allows more teams to be involved with these types of guys. Whereas before, you know, only the only the bigger payroll franchises were really able to to compete. You saw that's why Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox were always involved. Hold on. This article says players have to be posted between November 1st and December 5th. It's obviously after December 5th. So did this guy get posted? Um he he must have been posted already because and that's the thing when you're when you're posting now you have a a, a bigger window to negotiate. It just has to be available at that point and now more teams can get in. Yeah, they formally posted him. And it's a 30-day posting period. So, Which, I wonder how, how that's going to have any bearing on what free agency is doing. 30 days, I mean, that's coming up. Yeah, maybe it's going to be this month. You got like 15 Depending on like what date they posted left. him, yeah. Uh, the, and and he, he certainly improved his performance in 2020, upped his velocity, which is, which is interesting. We were watching a video of his delivery, and it's kind of a unique delivery in the sense that it, it starts off like a traditional Japanese delivery, kind of like Tanaka, but then he's got kind of like an upper torso body turn or his, his arms exaggerate uh, the turn backwards. It's more pronounced. Um, yeah. It's almost like the hips stay the where they are, or he, it's like a spring. It's similar to what, similar to what uh, judge does at the plate where he loads. He's got uh, mm. that spring like load to then create a whip. That's kind of what he does because, yeah, he rotates the top of his body, his upper torso, which gets a little, you know, it gets the um, the tension in the lower hips. And then there's almost a, a spring-like effect when he's coming forward. It's interesting. Yeah. And um, this would obviously be the fifth major Japanese pitcher to come over to the Yankees. Tanaka, who was a great success. Hiroki Kuroda, who pitched for three seasons. He was really good. Keigawa. Kuroda was, was a, a rock, tr- man. Trenton All-Star. And Hideki Arabu, who was tragic. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued as well. If this is their only 
pitching addition this offseason, I don't think that's a success. But if he is one of their pitching additions this offseason, I think that could be good. Sure. We don't know what he's going to do. We have no idea. But from all the things that we see, he can control uh, a good amount of pitches. He's got uh, a plus slider, right? He's got fastball velocity that uh, plays enough, especially with the, you know, four to five pitches. Yeah, bring him in. Let's go. All right, mailbag questions. We got a few doozies, so let's get to them. First one up is from Chris Mack. Do you think it's possible Cashman is dragging his feet with DJ because he is looking to trade for Lindor or Arenado? I just find it hard to believe that if DJ is the priority, they haven't reached to some sort of agreement yet. So, is a it is the plan, is the grandmaster ninja Cashman plan trade for Francisco Lindor? move Glaber back to second base, let DJ LeMahieu walk. You can't plan that. That's the problem. You can't plan that. You can... Well, is he working on that? And that's why he's dragging his feet on DJ. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's talking to everybody. Yeah, so I... I yes, I, I he probably... If that if that is of interest of the New York Yankees, which it should be at, at minimum for them to knock on the door and see what the deal is. Yeah, you should be looking at it. But... It's a trade. You got to have two willing participants there. So you got to have, and you're going to be giving up a lot. It's a different deal. Obviously, you can't plan for that. You can you can have that as as part of the plan as far as the preparation. You can have one of your plans, one of the routes of free agency that you've mapped out go that way. Um, but at some point, you have to make a decision based on the information that you know, based on your own timetables, and not other timetables of other teams that don't have a name. Clearly, they have other things happening over there too. They're a little confused. So, well, you can't do both, right? You can't sign LeMahieu and trade for Lindor. I, I don't see that happening. So, it's if it, it if these are the two plans, it's one or the other. You might be left shit out of luck if right you drag your feet on LeMahieu and he signs with with Toronto, and then you're trying to work out a deal for with Cleveland and can't get something done. It's a it's a very tricky leverage situation here because of that. If and if Lemayhu is signed somewhere else, now Cleveland's like you know sitting there with their evil laugh, uh, you know, middling their hands together, saying we got you. You know, you're going to have to give up a lot now. So yeah, I think that there's there's an, a, a very risky proposition here for sure. And the the one known quantity, I'll go back to this again, is signing DJ Lemayhu. And all things equal. Is your team better with Lindor or DJ LeMahieu? I mean, you could probably argue both ways. It would be very hard to argue Lindor with a lot of certainty because one, he came off of a bad season, which conveniently I'll use as a bad season because it was a bad season. But, and DJ is exactly what we we know he is. So there's uh, definitely more risk with the Lindor side. There's no doubt. And well, do the we idea really would need to take signed, that risk right now? The idea would be sign Lindor to a contract. It wouldn't be rent him for the sure. next year and then let him walk. So I think for, if we're talking about five years, right? If for a five-year contract for LeMahieu, so over the next five years, your team is better with Lindor and Glaber than it is with DJ and Glaber for the next five years. Maybe not the next one to two years, but for the next five years. Maybe. It's not, defi- it's not, that, it's, that is not a definitive, it's not, I think it's, it's not as obvious certain. as you're making it seem. I think Lindor is more likely to be a better player in 2022, three and four than LeMahieu. Oh, he wasn't a good He's player younger, last year, but he was a great player in the three years prior to that. But DJ showed it last year and the year before that. DJ showed it in a bad, in a this weird is, season. 
this is not a knock on DJ LeMay. No, I know. It's, it's, it's to me, it's more of a years old. It's a value. Of, it's a it's an understanding of what the value is and the risk. And when I see a guy like DJ LeMay, who who I know I'm going to get three really good years out of at minimum. I think three years is very. I think it's easy to say that we're going to get three years out of that that, that player. Okay, so you you do that for for Lindor. If you get three years out of that, would, would there be a surprise if it was if he fell off a little bit? I, no, because he's shown it. Yeah, I don't. know. I don't know. It's, it's just um, it's risky. It's risky because one, you don't have the, the player secured. There's a lot of other things that that are involved in making that happen. And DJ is just a matter of paying the guy what he's looking to get, what right. he's earned, what he's earned. By the way, Owen. The next question is from Owen. He says, "What do you think about a trade for Whit Merrifield? He would be a good depth, and he would be good depth and speed for the lineup. He is cheap and signed through 2022 with an option for 2023. He is not kidding, man. Is he cheap?" So his contract, he's 32 years old to start next season. He's he older than signed. I thought he was, to be honest. I thought he was definitely younger than that. Me too. He was actually on the the Royals championship team. Yeah, that's crazy. But he was he wasn't he was like a I don't even think he was probably on the playoff roster or anything. He was just like he appeared in that season. 20, 2021, 6.75 million. 2022. 2.75 million plus incentives. 2023, 10.5 million with a team. It's a team option and a $750,000 buyout. So it is a really cheap contract for a solid player. Let's not overrate Whit Merrifield. He's solid. 295 batting average, 342 on base, 444 slugging. That is a 109 WRC plus. And he has amassed 13.7 war since 2016. He's a versatile player. He's played right field, center field, second base, left field, first base. He doesn't strike out a ton, but he also doesn't walk a lot. He's got some intriguing stat cast data. Um, really, really top of the league in whiff percentage, which is great, but bottom in the league, exit velocity, hard hit percentage, you know, walk percentage, bottom of the league, but he's he's fast, good sprint speed, outs above average, he's elite. So it's like, he does different things. If I'm than being honest, this is has. a great call by Owen. I I think that the it would be tough to get him off of the Royals right now because of the cheap contract. He's very But also what are they what are they? Yeah. What are they looking if they're looking they're, for they're, like what they a, are is they're screwed in that division is what they are. They're no, not, they're, they, they're not going to compete when Whit Merrifield is still on this team. Right. So you you get some mid, mid-level prospects and and throw some darts. I don't know where he's playing. He's a he's a utility guy with Yankees have yeah. a few utility guys that But he I mean He's Tyler Wade. He's Tyler he Wade with with a, a better bat. Uh, uh don't sell with a much a better, better bat. bat. Fine, I mean, a much better bat. Okay. A major league caliber bat, a 109 WRC plus. But he fits that. But I'm, my more to my point is that he fits that role. Okay, and improves that role uh, significantly. Yeah, especially I, I mean, with I, the I like injuries. It. I think Whit especially Merrifield's with a good the player. injuries, I think the injuries this team will most definitely face. Whit Merrifield could play 115 games. Whit Merrifield is the type of player. He's the. He is actually a much better version of the player that Brian Cashman brings in all the time. The um the Brendan Ryans of the world, the Steven yeah. Drews of the world, the um why am I losing his name who who made the catch off of the Tampa Bay ceiling shortstop, good glove, went to the Mets. Uh Hechevaria, thank you. 
those. So you're going to talk about Slade Heathcott. No, but he, he's an outfielder. So, yeah, but he came up with this. He's not the, he's not yeah, the type know, of know, uh, know. player I'm talking about. You said Tampa, and I was expecting these, that big these, home run in Tampa, and then he gets benched. Yeah. These acquisitions that Cashman is notorious for making to bring defensive uh, players onto the team for, you know, potential late inning, uh, you know, liability swaps is exactly what Merrifield is, but with a bet. What, he could also provide some insurance because Gio's going to start at least spring training, not fully ready to go. So he might be delayed a week or two in the season. Well, third uh, base is, you, is one of the positions that was not listed for him. No, but you have, but if you sign LeMahieu, you could move LeMahieu to third base for two, three weeks and have Whit Merrifield play second base. Oh, here we are back again talking about the value of DJ LeMahieu. All right, yep. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know that he fits like a glove on this team, but I certainly think you could carve a role for him. Yeah, I, I, like to be honest, there are outfield positions that are seemingly taken that I would rather Whit Merrifield being on this team. I would love- you rather Whit Merrifield or Brett Gardner as like a, a fourth, fifth outfielder? Whit Merrifield. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm taking the name of Brett Gardner out of the equation at this point, and I hope that fans can do that because that's what needs to happen. It's not an emotional decision anymore. He's going to learn. Don't worry. He, he's, he's very, 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 very cheap. Brett Gardner's going to get some love later in this show. That's that's fine, and he deserves it. But I'm saying we have to look at what he is now and understanding that there are uh, potential upgrades that that can help the team. I, I think Whitmerfield's a good player, and I think that he would be a an asset to the Yankees next year. And I love, I you Ooh, know, we, that word again, asset. I know it's been coming up a lot. You know, the one of those uh, one of the stats that you were looking at off season when going through these plans, and I thought was right on because this is the one of the biggest weaknesses of the team. How one sided it is is that they need some variety in the lineup. And Whit Merrifield gives you the ability to plug in at different positions. And also, I mean, I don't really care that his walk rate is low at all. That just means he makes he makes contact, puts bat to ball, moves runners along. His batting yeah. average is telling me that the ball hits hits the hits the dirt or hits the uh the green a little bit more more often than than not if we're dismissing that Stat, it, it, it tells me so, that he gets on base a little bit. But he doesn't strike out. He's in the top 95 percentile in K percentage and yeah. top 93rd percentile in whiff percentage. He does not swing and miss. That is good news for this team. The Royals are not going to... Here's the thing where the Royals... I'm looking at this contract a little bit more closely. And in fact... It's bizarre, I, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it does play... It looks like a really good trade candidate because of that 2023 team option. That they are not going to. That they are not going to. Um, no, they're not going to. They're pick not going to pick up at all. Ten point five million. That's not happening. But a team that trades for him probably would pick that up. Maybe depending on what the landscape of baseball is in twenty twenty three, which is who the hell knows. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird that is it's like goes down to two point seven five plus incentives in twenty twenty two. I don't really quite understand that, but. Um, whatever it is intriguing not not like a must-have player but definitely an intriguing player greg from canada hey guys now that it's looking more likely that the yankees are aren't bringing tanaka or paxton back i had a thought about matt blake and his role in this do you think it's possible that blake has cashman's ear and has told him that with our young arms garcia schmidt king montgomery herman he feels it's possible that he can mold two or more of them into frontline starters i thought of this because of blake's past successes in Cleveland with Bieber, Plezak, and Savale, who are all young arms 
that were developed internally. Maybe Blake is a young arm whisperer and can provide low cost and long-term pitching value for the Yankees going forward. Mm. I've okay. There, there was a, um, there was, there was definitely a, a, a infrastructure built in Cleveland that, that Matt Blake came out of, right? There was, there was a culture. There was, there was support with the, with the philosophies. I think that he was doing that, that he had, in his mind, it wasn't a one-man show. And I understand that the Yankees are not a one-man show as either, but this is kind of a newer thing. This is a newer system that they're they're adapting in, in a lot of ways for their um for their pitching. So I don't have Garcia Schmidt, King, Montgomery, Herman. Montgomery Herman been there for years. We we kind of know what they are. If Blake's gonna uh, tweak them, it's gonna be on the major league level. Garcia Schmidt, you know, we're kind of seeing that. So I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence in that in, in Matt Blake yet. To be honest, but I do think that there's a lot of po- potential in the system. The problem is, it's not a problem. It's a it's a positive thing. They're all controlled asset controlled players right now. <laughs> so, so that's why they should be adding to the major league talent. That's why they should be adding more major league talent that they can afford because it gives them depth. And as we've seen from every season that I can possibly remember. Pitching depth is pretty important. Starting pitching depth is pretty important. And when you have the ability to add major league arms without bumping a guy out of a rotation spot because of a major league deal and there's no option to send him down, you should do it. You should take advantage of that. It's an opportunity that the Yankees currently have. And I feel like a broken record here, but it's going to really, really bother me if they don't take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like... Young arm whisperer and Brian Cashman to every really? to, to all of the people that oppose Brian Cashman and in, in what he has done to their credit, the one thing that he has not done and and identified well is pitching. Yeah. So anybody who has Cashman deer, like I don't even know what that means. Right, it's like does it really take a genius to identify that CC Sabathia was was a good pitcher? No, that Garrett Cole was a good pitcher? No. It's like, yeah, that's obvious. Every other pitcher he's tried to bring in here has not worked out for one reason or the other. And they have Hiroki Kuroda was a guy that they brought in to me that fit very well and was a good add and but was that was that was a one-year contract that he signed times. a one, series of one-year contracts. That wasn't like a we're going out and trading for James. I understand. Paxton. It's a we're different going type out of thing. trading for Michael Pineda. Yes, like I get they, it. those were supposed to be organiza- organizational shifting moves that Cashman was making, right? And they didn't work out. Definitely, there's no doubt. It's been a, it's definitely been the the biggest issue in Cashman's tenure for sure. So. Uh, if Matt Blake is is saying I can, you know, this depth that you've given me, I can pump them up a little bit and I can get the most out of them. Sure, that's why he was brought in. But that's not going to be enough for Brian Cashman to say, okay, great, wash my hands of going out and trading or acquiring pitching because we got Matt Blake and he's the whisperer of 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 like mediocre depth starters. Matt Blake was coaching high school baseball like three years ago. <laughs> He was working on little Johnny's curveball back like in Marty, 2014. Marty, Marty Blaine is barely in the door. Let's not get, so, let's not attach our entire, you know, off-season plans for pitching on his ability to take the nerd stats and make spin rates better. And these guys, you know, buying into it over Zoom, by the way, and, you know, a, the, making sure that they can take advantage of it. Because now, now they're coaching through Zoom too. It, no, I, I just, I can't get behind this. I, but hey, I hope it happens. Have... That being said, 
I hope to God this happens that 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 Matt Blake can walk in, whisper sweet nothings in these guys' ears, print out some Excel sheet on dot matrix paper. That's what I envision of and show them the way and they listen and they implement and it goes well. I hope all of that happens. That would be great. Hmm. I can't rely on it. All right. Well, we have uh, another mailbag question, which we'll get to next time. It's from Daniel. It's about the ultimate Yankees team of the 2010s decades. It'll it'll take a little bit of time, so we'll do it next time. But I thought it was a great question. So maybe think about it uh, over the next couple. Yeah, of the, the days. ultimate Yankee team for the 2010s. The it's a weird, 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 weird era in Yankees baseball. No World Series appearances. Kind of a transitional decade. That's what uh, that's what when, Daniel called it in the in the mailbag yeah. a, t- a transitional decade, which I I, it, I think is uh, appropriately named because that's that is what it is. It was a weird it was a weird decade, right? So we'll do that next time. Thank you guys for all the mailbag questions. Loving these 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 questions and suggestions for them. Any anything else you want to touch on, Scott? Before we close it out. Yeah. We're on the other half of 502, how are you feeling? Or of 500, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling uh, feeling refreshed here. I would feel a lot better if they'd side Zia Jelene here and stop dicking around. That's That would make me feel much better. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.